As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, hey, everybody. Good to see you. We're uh, in a series called Resurrection Stories. I'm finishing up this series today. Excited about that. Uh, Because I think the uh, resurrection, of course, is the central event of all of human history. It matters more than anything else. If it's true, everything else has to be seen in light of it. If it's false, what are you doing here this morning? But that's another story for another day. Um, But it tells a story, and stories are important to us. Matter of fact, my daughter, my youngest daughter, is home from college, and uh, we're uh, she's got a job at Studio Movie Grill in Wheaton, so she's very excited about that, and I am as well because it means free movies for us. So. So we'll be sneaking past the little turnstile, getting into those movies. Uh, uh, I mean, they allowed them. You're allowed to bring in guests. So I'm kind of excited about that. There's not any great movies that I want to see right now, but I'm kind of a movie guy because I love the telling of a great story, of a hero's journey or more. And, you know, we're familiar with stories or novels or movies that begin with a peaceful, harmonious scene that's quickly broken. Star Wars, you know, a a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and tells the story of the brokenness and the rebellion and more. Or The Lord of the Rings, one of my favorites, Lord of the Rings, even in the movies, uh, older Bilbo Baggins looking back 60 years to that great adventure or or even the movie Up in the first seven minutes tells the entire story of boy meets girl, Carl and Eddie, and gives their whole story. No spoilers here to set up the movie. Then typically things go wrong in all of those situations. They go wrong uh, until something or someone comes to make things right again. And then that person makes things right and ultimately forms some sort of story that ends well or some version of they live happily ever after. So with stories like these, uh, the reason we like them, uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien would both say, uh, the reason we like them is they follow a story that is actually tied to the true story of the whole world. And so there are reflections or shadows of the true story of the whole world that's centered around the resurrection. So Lewis and Tolkien would write about that, and and they would write stories that kind of follow along that storyline, the reality of who God is, who we are, and God's work to redeem. So we're talking about the resurrection, the resurrection story. We're getting into a story that is the true story of the whole world. And to see that story, we have to understand it just as you might understand things in a series of acts of a play, right? There are four acts that we're talking about, this true story of the whole world. They are creation, right? So God created, it was good. The fall, sin enters the world, everything's broken and a mess. Redemption, that's Jesus' death on the cross for our sin and in our place, and God raising him from the dead on the third day. So creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, the restoration of all things, that's yet still to come when Jesus returns. But that's the true story of the whole world. And what happens is we see in literature reflections of the story that's actually written on all of our hearts, and thus people are drawn to it. Uh, Steven Spielberg was asked if he intentionally created the movie E.T. to be basically based on the Jesus story. He's a Jewish filmmaker. It would be an odd choice to do so, but if you've seen E.T., well, good. If you haven't seen E.T., what's the matter with you? But that's another story. Phone home. But anyway, another story for another day. But in E.T., spoiler alert, if you haven't seen E.T., the time limit for me holding back on the spoilers has expired. Also, Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Let's just get it all out of the way. Uh, But in E.T., E.T., actually comes to earth, the earth's a mess, he comes to earth, try to make it better, he dies, and he's resurrected. 
Right, he comes back to life. And so the whole story's there, you can see it. Steven Spielberg was asked, did you base this story on Jesus? And he said, yes, we did. Why? Because in a sense, now he didn't say this, but in a sense, the true story of the whole world sort of is interwoven into our hearts. So the Bible's grand narrative, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. I want you to say those four words with me one at a time. Right, here we go, ready? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. True story of the whole world. One more time. You ready? A little faster. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Today, we're going to see how the story of redemption, right? God created a wonderful world and humanity in his image. We sinned. We need a redeemer. Jesus, the second Adam, I'll explain that, offers new life through his death and through his resurrection, invites us to live with him forever in a new paradise of glory, beauty, and joy. I've experienced this personally and powerfully, I'll share that at the end, invite you to do so as well. Number one, I'm actually having a little fun, probably more fun than I should. My daughters have asked me no longer to sing in sermons, and so I'm resisting that. They said, you can sing in sermons, but nobody likes it, and you're no good. So that's what your, your daughters can be very blunt with you. But they're not here in this service, now are they? Because we all know the song that goes, he came from heaven to earth. You want to do the hand motions, don't you? Go ahead. He came from heaven to earth to, well, I will stop there. But the rest goes, to show the way from the earth to the cross, right? You know the song, you're still, some of you are still going, some of you are still cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. So it's a simple story that tells the kind of hero's journey that I'm talking about, right? That Jesus came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, our debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. It literally follows what is often called a hero's journey. Now, if you read uh, Beowulf in high school, if, you, if, you've, read any, uh, if you've read psychology and, and literature, you know that the hero's journey is actually a thing that is reflected in literature around the world. It's reflected around the world. And in, that, in the hero's journey, the hero right, is called to do something significant, to go somewhere unknown. You came from heaven to earth. To go somewhere to do something significant and unknown through great tragedy and great struggle, right? And we see that in the life and person of Jesus. You came from heaven to the earth to show the way, from the cross to the grave, right? The struggle, and ultimately then the victory from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name and hide. So those kids, I mean, I, I noticed that it was actually a little more of the adults who were doing the hand motions than the kids. So I think it's stuck with you. But uh, those, those even kids get the hero's story because it's a reflection of what we are, who we are, what we yearn for in our hearts. So let's look at that. Number one in our outline, the cross, the outline's the cross, the grave, and the sky. The cross and the grave, number one. I'm gonna go through the book of Romans. If you have a Bible, take it out. If you don't have one, turn one on or look on with somebody who does. Romans chapter six. Five and six is what I'm gonna look at. And we're gonna go through these passages to look at the true story of the whole world. That's the resurrection story. It says, therefore... Right, this is beginning at verse Romans chapter five, verse 12. It says this, gonna put it on the screen. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Some fascinating things coming on here. Let's look at this, right? All right, so just as sin came into the world through one man, right? So we've got now the first Adam. Wait a second, there's a second one? Yes, stay with me. So just as sin came into the world through 
One man. Verse 12 is a turning point in the book of Romans. Paul's been arguing that all have sinned and are guilty before God, but God offers justification through Jesus Christ. Now Paul turns to how Christ's work in the world changes everything. And he says, just as sin entered the world through one man. So that one man is Adam. And then he's going to point to in just a minute, the second Adam, that is Jesus. That sounds strange, like the second Adam. No, no, stay with me. That's what the Bible teaches. So the Bible opens with this beautiful description of the creation of earth, God creating the heavens and the earth. Everything created is good. When he's finished the last verse of the Bible's first chapter in Genesis 1:31, God says it's very good. So creation, fall, redemption, restoration, right? In Genesis 2, we read more about Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. Gardens are central to the biblical story. We see lots of garden references, right? We see uh, the Garden of Eden, where the fall occurred, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus wrestled in prayer for us, the garden where Jesus was buried in John 19, and the garden in the new heavens and the new earth in Revelation 22. That garden is part of that restoration of all things. The big story, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, a perfect place where they enjoyed intimate fellowship with God, with one another, and authority over creation, but that does not last long. Just as in all the stories we began with, something starts good and goes wrong because every fiber of our being knows that everything should be right and good and in perfect order, yet something is and has gone wrong. So Adam and Eve sinned. It's what theologians call the fall. The fall doesn't mean that, the, uh, that, that, um, that, that everything is as bad as it possibly could be, but brokenness and lostness, death is an inevitable consequence. So sin and death enter the world. Romans 5.12 actually says it this way. It says, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin for sin. Now, so what we find this is Romans 5.12b, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. So through Adam, the disease of sin and death spread to all of this, all of us and all of the world. And now we are all sinners here today by nature and by our choices. And this is why the gospel is so needed and so powerful, right? So in all the brokenness of sin and death with the fall, God showed grace even then. In his goodness, God showed grace even then. And so even in the book of Genesis, there's this, there's this verse in Genesis 3.15. It's kind of a, it's technically what we call in theology, the proto-evangelium. It's kind of the gospel before the gospel, the, the pre-gospel. Here's what it says. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, talking to the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So what's pointing to the coming of the Messiah who would actually have victory over Satan himself. So as the Bible unfolds, we see the story. You remember the story, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. But now Adam and Christ are a key part of how this works. The first Adam is Adam, the second Adam is Christ. Okay, we're gonna see that more in just a minute, but let me sum it up this way. Uh, I, I was influenced here by Robert Mounts' commentary that's real helpful, but here's, let me sum it up. Adam shows how all humanity are in sin. Jesus shows how justification can be received by faith. Adam disobeyed God, led humanity the wrong way. Jesus offers justification to all who come to him by faith. The sin of Adam has devastating effects on humanity. The work of Christ overcomes those effects and makes people right with God. So to understand rightly the, what Christ has done through his death and resurrection, you have to understand fully just how messed up the world is, was, and is. Are you tracking with me so far? 
I'm kind of introducing it a little fast. Um, so, but I want to make sure we get that introduction. So, so we see that the law, right? We, we talk some about the law and how this all, uh, how this all works. I'll quickly touch on a couple of things like Romans 5.13. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. So, so, so I don't have time to fully unpack that, but it's giving a reminder. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, whose pattern is of the one to come, who's a type of the one to come. Okay, so death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those who were sinning were not like transgressing of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. Now I want you to notice, the, 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 the original letters here are not capitalized or uncapitalized, um, Greek wasn't written that way, but the translators capitalized the one. Why? Because it's talking about Jesus. So you have Adam, who is a type or a pattern of the one to come. So there's the first Adam, and then Jesus is a true and better Adam. Now, this is really important, and, and, and I, I, would, I would actually say to you that uh, a spiritual father of mine died just recently by the name of Tim Keller, and I could listen to him preach on this and teach on this for, for all day long, because this has been a key theme of his life and ministry, but it's a key teaching of the Bible. Because the fall of Adam caused great evil, the work of Christ, so much more causes a change for the right, for the holy, and for the good. So Adam is a pattern or a type of the one to come. Jesus, how? Because Adam shared or bestowed on us something we all share. Adam bestowed on us something we all share. I mean, yeah, certainly our humanity, who we are, but also sin, and that's the reference here. Jesus bestows on all who believe something as well, salvation. The parallel is of contrast between the first Adam who bestowed on us sin and the second Adam who bestowed on us salvation. So it's a beautiful picture, the cross and the grave, Romans chapter 12, verses, uh, Romans chapter five, verses 12 through 14. You say, Ed, it's the series, is called the resurrection stories. What about the resurrection? Let's go to number two. From the grave to the sky, Romans chapter six, verses three through seven. Because of sin, death is the final consequence we all face. Everyone here, if Jesus doesn't return, everyone here is gonna die. You're gonna face death, however, uh, because of the fall, we all face that, but the fall for believers is not final. Death has been defeated. Without Christ's resurrection, we face the life to come without hope. Because of Christ, however, we who have been redeemed have eternal hope. But this hope is also seen in everyday life as we grow in grace. Now, this sounds very pie in the sky. When you die, you're gonna be with Jesus and heaven's real. And now I guess that's all true, but it's all important that we understand so this Friday, I took a phone call from a former church member, a church I planted years ago in a place called Erie, Pennsylvania. And um, this, I had the privilege of, of leading to Christ and baptizing this, this young couple. We were, we were all young at the time. Baptized this young couple. They're both physicians and uh, wonderful followers of Jesus and um, part of the church for decades now. That I, I planted that church decades ago. And their son died. 20 years old, died in a tragic car accident a few weeks ago. And I will tell you that even as I'm looking and preparing towards this message, that this message, which sometimes we can say, you know, I'm not thinking of death or dying anytime soon, but then one day it comes upon us and the, the only hope, the only strength that those parents have right now is the confidence that Jesus has conquered death. 
And that confidence is, doesn't take away their grieving, but they grieve as those who have hope, not those who have no hope. Now, where does that come from? Well, actually, this passage speaks to this. Romans chapter six, beginning at verse three, says this. It says, or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, I'm, I think some of you, I've seen some of you be baptized right here, right? So where's our baptistry? It's hidden under there. Okay, I guess that's probably best because I could see the band falling into it, but, it's, uh, but it's, it's hidden under there. Okay, so many of you have been through the waters of that baptism, and it's an interesting thing how it works. So um, we baptize by immersion under the water following you receiving Christ, right? So, so, but in doing, there's sort of like some traditions that are built up around it. So somebody, usually a pastor, but somebody will get up. If it's a pastor, they'll say something like this. They'll They'll raise their right hand when you're standing in front of them and they'll say, upon your profession of faith, you're nodding, you've heard this, and upon the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You heard this before, right? So that's like just a tradition. Um, and why do people raise their right hand? I have no idea. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, lift up your right hand when you say this, but almost every pastor does it. It's like Second Opinions, chapter 11, verse four. <laughs> upon your profession of faith and upon the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I now baptize you, and this is the part that is commanded, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, at that point, if you're being baptized, you are lowered under the water, so you may not have heard what is said while you're being lowered under the water. Now, I will confess to you that I have a text thread of pastor friends, and primarily what we send to one another is baptism videos gone bad. Because <laughs> there are some amazing baptism videos gone bad. And they are fun, no mean ones, but some pretty funny ones that need to be shown. So we share them with one another. Can't post them online because people get mad at me. Well, it doesn't matter what you do, people get mad at you online. So anyway, so, but there's something that the pastor says. And here's what the pastor or the person baptizing says. Right after the hand up, and then, they, and then they, if, they, if, they, if they've done this right, you've got your hand over your nose, and the pastor puts, there's a whole training we get, and we hold your, your, we hold your hand right here, and one hand behind your back, one hand here, and we say, anybody know? We say, buried with him in death. You never heard it, because all you hear is blub, 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 because you're going under the water. That's what we say. But if you're out here, you've heard it. Buried with him in death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Buried and raised, say those with me. Buried and raised. So we say, buried with him in death, raised to walk in newness of life. Where does that come from? Right here. Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, buried. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So look at it, next time someone baptizes, buried with him in death, raised to walk in newness of life. The story of the resurrection is the story of your new life in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus. Because you're buried with him in death, raised to walk in newness of life. So through baptism, we actually identify with the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ. Chapter five talks about that in the power of the resurrection. Baptism in water demonstrates the spiritual reality of our new life in Christ. Our former way of life is buried, our new life has been raised. It's an important passage emphasizing baptism. If you haven't been baptized as a believer, I would encourage you to step and make that your public profession of faith. But new life means a new kind of life, a new quality of life, right? So now there's a new way of living. Romans 6, 5 says, for if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, come on. Let me give you a chance to amen that. 
For if we've been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. How do you not amen that? I was at a black church last week, and so I'm ready for some more amens from the congregation two weeks ago. And a whole different feel when you're there at a predominantly African-American church. But this is so good. This is so powerful, right? United with him in a resurrection like his. So the true story of the whole world, creation, redemption, uh, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Redemption being the death and resurrection of Jesus. The true story of the whole world is a resurrection story, and that resurrection story can also be your story. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, that's the new life in Christ. I got you going on the amens now, don't I? Amen. See, this is a beautiful, beautiful picture. And I don't want us to miss that, right? Because the reality is we can too casually miss what's going on here. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That old corpse, your spiritually dead, sinful self, brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin, the song says, but I'm not allowed to sing. For one who has died, for one who has died has been set free from sin. I love that. So the body ruled by sin means our proclivity towards sin has been broken. Done away with means that although in this life sin has not been totally eradicated, it has been rendered powerless as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit through the work of the resurrection. So we can sin, but we are not obligated to do so. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. So our sin nature rendered powerless. So the true story of the whole world, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, because of redemption, the death and resurrection of Jesus, everything is changed. New life is given to us, and new opportunity to walk in that new life is before us. It's a beautiful passage. We're going through the series. We're finishing the series today on resurrection stories. And I hope that During this journey, you've heard some of us, you've heard Craig, you've heard others share our resurrection stories. That's been part of the plan in this series. They actually send us, you know, we have different campus pastors and there are certain instructions that they send out from headquarters or what we're supposed to include in the sermon. I don't always follow those instructions. (laughs) But let me follow those instructions in this case. Because for me, you know, I grew up on Long Island outside of New York City, didn't know the Lord. Went to church on Christmas and Easter, but it wasn't meaningful. It was rather meaningless to us. Our family was in trouble. My dad was an alcoholic. He would say is an alcoholic. He's an AA alcoholic now. He gives me permission to share that, but he was a bad drunk. He was um, lost his job, got in trouble all the time. Eventually, we were out of money and had to move down to start over in Florida. I've told you a little bit of my story in the past. We lived in the probably the only house in Orlando without air conditioning because we couldn't afford it, and started over and. And it was a mess in our life. My, my older sister got cancer at a young age. My family was breaking apart. All these things was just so filled with, with pain and tumult. And in the midst of all that, my mother heard the gospel at this little charismatic group called Curcio. She heard the gospel there and, and she became a follower of Jesus. And it was very exciting to her that she's now a new follower of Jesus. But her son was far from being a follower of Jesus. Well, one day I got in trouble. I forget what it was because I got in trouble a lot. And so got in trouble for something. And my mom punished me. She said, your punishment is I'm sending you to this one week 
church youth camp, which is every youth pastor's dream, (laughs) is to have all the punished kids grounded to camp. That was me. And while I was there, I heard the gospel. Now, I don't even remember the full details. I remember some words. Here's one of the things that the speaker said. You can give all that you have to Jesus, and he'll give you, you give your life to Jesus, he'll give your life to you. And I'm like, I want that. I might say it differently in 2023, but all I knew is that Jesus was going to come into my life and change my life. My life was a mess. I needed Jesus, and he changed everything. My story interacted and intersected with the resurrection story. Jesus' death on the cross for my sin and in my place. His resurrection on the third day changed, changed everything. So years later, I would go to Israel. I'm, I'm kind of, I've been to Israel twice, and I'm kind of fascinated by people who want to go to Israel. Anybody been to Israel? Anybody been to Israel? A few of you. We, we went first like 20 plus years ago. Wasn't a good experience. So um, partly because the uh, Infantata kind of broke out. I think it was the second Infantata broke out when we were there. So there was all kinds of soldiers and couldn't go places. So last year, went back to Israel and uh, took a group of my students to Israel. And, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a much better experience. We, we, we enjoyed it, went to different places. And, um, but I do find it anticlimactic in some ways and beautiful in some other ways. I saw some of you raise your hands and you went there. And uh, one of the anticlimactic things was when you visit the, the tomb, right? You go to the tomb, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is a big church and inside there's a little church. And in that little church, there's a little door you go through and that's, uh, pretty good chance that that is the actual empty tomb uh, where Jesus was. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, when I was a kid, punished by my mother and forced to go to youth camp, I learned something that changed the whole world. The tomb was empty. I didn't need to get on a plane to travel the other side of the world to find out the tomb was actually empty. Though, don't misunderstand. It was pretty cool with one exception. Some of you have been there. Have you been to the actual tomb? Not the garden tomb, but the one the church holds up. Have you been there and there? It's kind of cool until you get there and then you go into the tomb. Donna and I walked into the tomb and the tomb was empty and we were just checking. But the tomb is actually empty. So that's still great news. But the part that was kind of less fun, those of you been there know, is there's this grumpy monk who stands outside the door and yells at you. You've been there two seconds. Like, get out, next person. You're like, okay, glory to God in the highest. And... Uh, <laughs> On earth, peace, goodwill towards men. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. It's an historical reality. Last time I was here, I preached from 1 Corinthians 15 and talked about how Jesus appeared to 500 at one time, some of whom were still alive. Jesus was indeed lifted on high in his resurrection. In Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 8, it says this. Now, if we have lived... If we have died with Christ, this grave to the sky, number, we're on number three. Sorry, go to number three. Jesus lifted on high. Number three is Jesus lifted on high. And so Jesus lifted on high in Romans chapter six, verse eight through 11. It says this in verse eight. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. So the fact that that tomb is empty changes everything. As a matter of fact, again, if it's not empty, what are we doing here wasting our time? But if it's empty, everything else in the world has to be measured by the fact that that tomb is empty. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more central. It is the true story of the whole world. You can't think a little bit like it's a big, maybe a minor deal, but not a big deal. If the resurrection is true, everything is changed. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we also live with him. We know Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. If somebody has had victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave, and that person is Jesus, and that person, Jesus, then invites you to follow him, to be part of his family, to be indwelled by him and his Holy Spirit so that you no longer die, that changes everything. And when I'm talking to that mother 
on Friday two days ago. She knew that that changed everything. When her grieving was still there, but she knew that changed everything because it had changed her life. So Paul repeats himself, Paul the writer here, repeats himself throughout this section to emphasize the essential place that Christ's death and resurrection holds. He says it over and over again, right? He says uh, his main point about living with Jesus is not focused on the afterlife, but on this life. Listen to what he says elsewhere in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives with me, lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for us. So we have eternal life. Not that we will have it, we have it now. Death no longer has dominion over me. We have a new master. It was sin. It's now Jesus, the Lord. He's not our mascot. He is our master because if the resurrection is true, it changes everything. It is the true story of the whole world. By the first Adam, we inherited sin. In the second Adam, we receive salvation. Romans 6 verses 10 and 11 says this, for the death he died, he died to sin. This is Jesus, died to sin. Died for our sin and in our place, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also. Oh, those are some beautiful words. So you also. Must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Can I just tell you three words here? Once for all, beautiful. Once for all. It's a one-time completed action. I don't want you to miss all that's going on here because it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. It's the true story of the whole world. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. What the first Adam brought, the second Adam reversed. The true and better Adam who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross for our sin in our place. And then at the last book of the Bible, he speaks in the book of Revelation. And here's what he says in Revelation 1:18. He says, I am the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and hell. Man, that changes everything. The challenge is the resurrection for me growing up was something that I actually vaguely believed in. We went to church at Christmas. We went to church at Easter. I had two pictures of Jesus. He was a little eight pounds, six ounce, baby little Jesus wrapped in the swaddling clothes. Or he was the resurrected Jesus. We didn't go to church on Good Friday, so all I knew was his birth and his resurrection. And I knew vaguely that both were part of my religion, but the words here didn't resonate yet with me. See, I hadn't cast my trust and faith in him. Look with me at our last verse. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And that day, when my story intersected with the resurrection story of Jesus, I understood on that day it was revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now listen, I never get over this, and you shouldn't either. Talking to a grieving mother on Friday came back to over and over again that God has a plan, is prepared for those who love him. Now, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey right now. I sure hope that if you're watching online, 
here in our auditorium that I sure hope there are some people here today who came here today because they wanted to know more about who Jesus is. Maybe, maybe right now you've come across a difficult time and a difficult circumstance. You're like, I need some religion in my life. And I get it. People sometimes turn to religion when they're in the midst of difficulty. And I get it. But I want you to know that here at High Point, we're not here to offer you a, a new leaf, to turn over a new leaf. We're here to tell you about a new life. It's a life made possible because Jesus has defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. The true story of the whole world, it even is reflected in stories in almost every culture of the hero's journey because there was and is a hero who came from a place of holiness and perfection into the darkness of our world, who died on the cross for our sin and in our place, and who God raised from the dead on the third day to change everything. If you're here today, and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to receive by grace and through faith the good news of this gospel. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to rest in the joy. We've been doing this whole series on resurrection stories, and maybe you could have. I'm not saying you did, but maybe for some you're like, okay, I got it. Jesus is resurrected. You know, why do we keep coming back to that? Why don't we talk more about how to have a happier life and, and how to have a better marriage and four ways to raise obedient pets and whatever else you want to hear about? Here's why. Because the true story of the whole world is anchored in this reality that God the Son was born Jesus the Christ, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and God raised him from the dead in the third day. The true story of the whole world, which we talked about, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, is all built around that reality. And if that's true, and if the true story of the whole world is the second Adam has come and brought this victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave, and then invites you to new life in him, Everything else you can make it through. Not that it's easy, not that it's not without struggle, but you know that in Christ you can walk in new life. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to live out that truth. Every day I had to talk to a grieving mother about that Friday. And I'm sure there'll be times when I have to remind myself of the beauty and truth of the gospel. So the worship team is going to come join me here on stage. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer before we wrap our time together. And I'm going to ask for God's goodness and grace to remind us of the beauty of the resurrection. Yes, he came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the cross to the grave, our debt to pay. From the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Even a kid can sing it. It's that simple. But it's the true story of the whole world that changes everything. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that by your grace and your goodness, you've redeemed us, called us by name, sent us on mission for your name's sake. And Father, I pray today that we might respond to the message you have for us this day. Just if you're here watching online, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and if you hear me talking about Jesus' work and you're like, man, I'm just trying to be a better person, can I just say to you, Jesus is the true and better and perfect who's made a way. He doesn't call you to be perfect, he calls you to be repentant, to trust and follow him, and he'll change you. From heaven's throne he came to us, the song says. He's exalted over all. That's the true story of the whole world. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I wanna invite you today to trust and follow him. If that's where you are, you can pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I turn from my way to your ways. I receive the new life you've provided me. I receive the forgiveness that comes through the resurrection. I trust and follow you.
if you are a follower of Jesus. And again, in just a moment, we're gonna sing this song from heaven's throne, you came to us telling the true story of the whole world. Exalt in that, just, just dwell in the beauty of that truth. Lord Jesus, we thank you that echoes upon echoes tell the story of the true story of the whole world. From the first Adam to the second Adam, you bringing victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave. From creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, you coming to a world that's been fallen and broken, redeeming us, and ultimately restoring all things. We give you praise, glory, and honor as we sing. May you be glorified, Lord. Help us to, to know the fullness of your resurrection and to worship you. In Jesus' name.